You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Year of Fulfillment, Part 5. Enjoy. God, it's so good. Man, it's fun. Three years. The third day Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection happened. Hallelujah. We're talking about the year of fulfillment, 2017. Let's stand our feet for a second. Just stretch out a little bit and get ready because you're going to sit down. You're going to need to put your seatbelts on. Okay. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we thank you. You're right here, right now. And we put our confidence in you. We put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And Holy Spirit, we give you a full right away to do all that you want to do in our lives. Thank you for taking us higher in the new levels of glory. Thank you for revealing more of Christ to us this morning. We thank you that we're leaving here stronger than when we came in because of your amazing love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Are we cooking over there? We got audio? Okay. So 2017, don't, don't expect the same old stuff. It's time for some wonderful things to happen. We learned last week that we're living the dream in 2017. Uh, if you want to hear our audio messages, they're all free, and they're online at highwaychurch.us. So just, just like this, highwaychurch.us, that's our website. And you'll see the, the row of icons there. Just click on that orange one at the right, and it'll take you to all of the audio messages we've done, and they're all free. So you can listen to them, you can download them, you can share them, but uh, you can hear these these past messages of the series that we're on now as well. We're calling it the year of fulfillment, and we're living the dream in 2017. We're, we're experiencing and living out God's dream for our lives. And every dad, every father has dreams and gifts for their children. It's part of being a dad. The moment you hold that child in your arms the first time, just dreams start to rise up inside of you. And you start thinking, what can I do for this child, you know? You just start seeing things. That's part of being a dad. Well, God has is, is become our father, our Abba father through Jesus Christ, and he has dreams for you. And I know this. I might not know the details or the specifics of his dreams for your life, but I know this. They're better. They're greater than anything you've desired or dreamed of. And he wants to fulfill them in your life. And there are many scriptures in the Bible that communicate God's dreams and God's hearts and God's gifts for us. Here's a simple one in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. This was written by the Apostle John through the Holy Spirit. And it captures the heart of God towards you. He said, beloved, and that's how God looks at you. Do you know that? You are God's beloved. Isn't that good? He says, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Isn't that awesome? He is fine, really. Don't, don't give it a second thought. I love, what is that, a truck? And uh, Larry Boy, love it. It's good. So here's the desire of God for you. This is Apostle John writing to believers. And he said, I desire above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. The fundamentals of God's dream for you are wholeness, prosperity, and fulfillment. And I know those uh, are often criticized if someone preaches those things. 
but it's true anyway, so we're going to preach it, okay? The fundamentals of what God, your Father, desires for your life and what He's provided for your life are wholeness, prosperity, and fulfillment. I believe that this year there are going to be some unfinished things that are finished, some unfulfilled things that are fulfilled. And you see, the unfinished, the unfulfilled areas of our life are finished and fulfilled by His grace. And I, and I heard uh, uh, Debbie and, and Judy, they mentioned grace and, and the message of grace. It's always been a message of grace. And I, I've been in the body of Christ, I guess, now, well, it's almost 28 years. Um, and I've heard a lot of controversy. And they'll say, oh, a new, this new gospel's coming out. Don't listen to that gospel. I heard there was a gospel of healing in the 50s and 60s and, and 70s and a gospel of prosperity. And now the latest one is a gospel of grace. You know, there's one gospel. Paul called it the gospel of grace. We're saved by grace through faith, okay? So there is one gospel. Sometimes people have only understood a certain portion of it. So when they hear another portion, they think it's another gospel. So they criticize it or, cause a, or a controversy is brought up. But, but what's, what's our safeguard as, as sons and daughters of God's disciples? Jesus. We look to the person of Christ to determine who God is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. Jesus is, is the person of God in the flesh. He's the exact representation. He's the nature of God, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The fullness of God dwells in him. So we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, the first five books in the New Testament. We see God in the flesh, and he is our standard for what we believe. And you've got to be willing to change because he's amazing, and he's so far beyond what Alan read. It Was it in Colossians about the, uh, the, the um, being um, deceived or taken advantage of through hollow philosophies and traditions of men? You've got to be aware of those things. So we like to shine the light on those things so you can be free. So the unfinished, unfulfilled areas of our lives are finished and fulfilled by His grace. We, we know that grace, I heard that when I first came into the body of Christ, G-R-A-C-E, is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's an excellent an acronym, great definition of grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. And we've learned in this series in the last few weeks that grace is the operational power of God. It's God's power in operation in our lives. So, how much grace has God given you? I wonder. I mean, has he given you just enough to possibly make it through the rest of the week? Well, Satan would like to convince you that he's not given you enough grace. And I've talked with believers over the years who are concerned that maybe they've lost their salvation. And they're seeking God, you know, they're, they're, but they have these feelings of condemnation and guilt. And they thought, I don't know, I, I'm, I, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. What it is is spiritual warfare going on. Satan tries to steal our confidence from us. Why? Because we're saved by grace through, what's faith? Confidence. Being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. That's how we experience the grace of God. So Satan tries to undermine your faith by condemning you or, or trying to uh, get you to second guess what God has done for you. 
all right? But we're not going to do that. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. This is one of the most important passages in all of the Bible. Romans is often referred to as the Magna Carta of, of our new covenant, of the New Testament. Romans 5:17. how much grace, how much operational power of God has been given to you? How much power is available to you? How much favor is available to you today, right now? Chapter 5, verse 17 says, For if by the transgression of the one, who's the one? Adam, right? For if by the transgression of Adam, that's about 6,000 years ago, what happened through that transgression? Transgression, Death reigned through the one. What does reign mean? Took control. What did death take control of when Adam fell? Of Adam and Eve and of the earth. See, the Bible has answers for us. People say if there's a loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? Right here. Right? Adam put his faith in Satan. You can read that in Genesis. He took Satan's word above God's. And, and when he did that, death seized, we're going to look at another translation, death stole the right to reign in the earth. Stay with me. Don't tune me out. This will help you. Death stole, took advantage of Adam and stole the right to reign over the earth. Well, if that happened through the transgression of Adam, look at these next two words after the comma, much more. That's how much grace God has given you. Much more, those who receive the what? What does abundance mean? More than you'll ever need. More than you could ever need or use. The abundance of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, God's unmerited favor, the abundance of His operational power, and the gift of righteousness. Whose righteousness? His. You've been given God's righteousness. It's true will reign, there's that word again, will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Let's pay attention. That's twice it's talked about reigning. Verse 18, so then as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to who? Everybody, right? All of us. Even so, just like that condemnation spread to everybody in the same way, through one act of righteousness, who committed that act? Jesus, right? He's the only one who could do it. He was perfect from day one. Even so, through one act of, excuse me, of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to who? Everybody. It's available to everybody. You just have to receive it by faith. All right? Verse 19. For... As through the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, that's Jesus, the many will be made what? Righteous. Sounds like 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's who we are now. Because of him. All right. Verse 20. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. Do you know what the power of sin is, the Bible says? The law. That's in the Scriptures. The power of sin is the law. 
How, how long was the law in effect? Out of the 6,000 years that man's been on earth, how long was the law in effect? About 1,400-some years, less than 25% of the time. The law wasn't implemented till, till like uh, almost 2,500 years after God made man. And then Jesus came about 1,400, almost 1,500 years later and fulfilled it. All right? God's not a God of law. Hello. All right? The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, what happened? Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense, the unmerited favor of God, the operational power of God abounded a whole lot more. Right? Abounded all the more. Grace is infinitely more powerful than sin. Can't even compare the two. It blows sin away. It wipes it out forever. The Bible has a lot to say about this. Now, who did the law come through? Most people will say, well, from God, wasn't it? What, what, what man did the law come through? John chapter 1, verse 17. Moses. Who did grace and truth come through? Jesus. You see, the church, unfortunately, mostly has preached. Would you say, well, let me just ask you this question. Would you say from your experience in any of the churches you've been in, you've heard more about the law or more about grace? Without question. Why is the church often preaching the law when grace sets you free? This is why you have so many Christians bound up and confused, in bondage. Because they go to church, they hear law. law. The and what does that do? The power of sin is the law. It doesn't set you free. We all know we've missed it. We all know we can't measure up to the law. We've all fallen short of that. And just telling me that over and over again is not going to help me. I need an answer. I need a power that's greater than the condemnation of sin. I need a new kind of life that breaks, that breaks through this stuff. I need the grace of God. So Jesus brought to us what? Grace and truth. Moses, the law, that's why we're not Moseyans, we're Christians. Right? We're not followers of Moses. Nothing against them. Thank God for Moses. But he brought the law. It's Jesus who brought grace and truth. Am I making it up? It's John 1.17 if you want to read it. Great chapter. One of my favorite books. Right? So Jesus brought us grace and truth. Notice that grace is paired with truth, not with the law. It's grace and truth that come together. I love this guy. You're awesome. Jackson, you're the man. That Tonka truck. Hallelujah. So the Bible has a whole lot to say about this that hasn't been preached enough. And when someone comes along and starts preaching, all of a sudden, controversy. Oh, you better not listen to that. You better not go there. My wife and I went out. Uh, we were just talking, sitting, uh, and having uh, some chocolate cake, I think it was, or maybe it was before the cake. But uh, I, didn't let, I ate all the icing. She ate all the cake. So, But... Uh, <laughs> She was talking about, similar to Debbie, she was talking about how the Lord put on her heart to listen to a, a minister, and she thought, I don't even understand what this guy's saying. This was years ago. I'm like, I don't want to listen to him. It, it sounds, just sounds like gibberish to me, you know? It was the same guy. <laughs> but, but now it's like, man, yeah. Oh, yeah. When the light comes on, man, you change. It's like, oh, there are things that might sound strange to you now. When that light comes on, man, you won't settle for anything less. There are levels of life. There are levels of glory, and God wants to take you to the next one. 
And when you get to the next one, he wants to take you to the next one. And when you get to the next one, he wants to take you to the next one. So we say, yes, Lord, we're going all the way. Amen. So the Bible not only has a lot to say about grace, but has a lot to say about reigning. God's dream for your life includes you reigning. Reigning over what? Darkness. This world's full of it. Full of darkness. But God wants you to reign over it. He doesn't want darkness to have its way in your life anymore. So your father is actually the king of the universe, right? And you've become his child. What does that make you? It makes you a child of God, a child of the king. It makes you, are you ready? A co-heir with Christ. Can I say that? Is that all right? Well, it's true. Let's read this. Let's go to Romans and we'll come back to, uh, let's go to chapter 8 and we'll go back to chapter 5. So Romans 8. Let's stay in Romans. This is the dream of the Father for your life, that you would no longer be estranged from him, that you would know his voice, that you would live the abundant life Christ came to give you, that you would experience his love each and every day of your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again. What does that mean? We were all slaves. Every one of us was living in bondage to darkness. Every one of us. I wouldn't have listened to this a message like this, you know, 30 years ago if you paid me. I didn't want to be anywhere around the church. I thought it was all a big joke. Now I can't wait to hear more about what Christ did for me, right? So we were all slaves to fear. We're all slaves to darkness at some point in our life. But what happened? Something changed. We went from slaves to sons, right? We received the spirit of sonship. And by him now we cry, we cry Abba, Father, our daddy, our father, our loving, kind, gracious, benevolent Father, that's who he is. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit or bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. It's true. It's not just a nice thing to say so we feel lovey-dovey. It's a reality that we are to live our lives in. We're God's children. Verse 17, are you ready? Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Are you kidding me? No. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we also share in His glory. Don't get tripped up here. Let's take a moment, because this is so misunderstood. What is it talking about, sharing in his sufferings? There are two types of suffering that Christ did for us. This will help you tremendously. Please listen. The first type of suffering was when he suffered as our substitute. Okay? He suffered as our substitute when he was arrested, 
punched, beard ripped out, tortured, scourged more than, more than any man. He was doing that as our substitute. That means you couldn't do that. He was the Lamb of God. There's only been one Lamb of God. It was Him. He was righteous. Only He could do what He did. Only He could pay full price for your sins and mine. okay? That was as our substitute. He went to the cross as our substitute. Everything He did and bore for you as your substitute, you are not to bear. He bore the curse of sin. He bore your sicknesses and diseases. He bore the, the estrangement and separation from God. He, he bore death for you. He couldn't rise from the dead if he didn't die, right? You know that's a controversy in the body of Christ? Well, Jesus didn't really die. How did he, how did he have a resurrection if he didn't die? People fight over the silliest things. My goodness. All right? So Jesus did this for you. So everything he bore for you as your substitute, you are not to bear. Okay? The only way we can share in those sufferings is by receiving what he did for us through those sufferings, by faith. With the stripes that wounded Jesus, we receive healing. Okay? So if you're going to share in what he bore, it's by receiving the result of what he bore, which is wholeness. All right? But there's another type of suffering that he did. And in the other type of suffering, he was our example. So first, he was our substitute. Second, he was our example. What was he our example in? Persecution for following God. Persecution for righteousness sake. And boy, if you've been a Christian a little while, you know people are going to start making fun of you, start criticizing you. Your family may kick you out. Been there, Hello? Right? Your family may not talk to you anymore. That's what I, when I came to know Christ, I'm, you know, I was 19, 20, that, that was about it for my mom. You know, she didn't want to have me as a son anymore. Okay? So there's persecution for following God that we can, we can experience and we will in this life. Okay? So unders, don't get tripped up on that. Understand, because what the devil do is try and get you to go through things that Jesus bore. For you, okay? But we're not going to do that. He bore those so we could be whole. But in terms of persecution, for righteousness' sake, we're, we're, we're good with that, right? All right. So what does this mean, an heir? Well, here's a definition of heir. Are you ready? An heir is a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another upon that person's death. What does that mean? When Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended unto the Father, anyone who put their faith in what he did for them, he received the property, the fulfillment of what Jesus did, and the rank of Christ. Don't throw stones yet. The authority that Christ had when he walked in the earth. Stay with me. Another definition of heir. A person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the provision of his sacrifice, God's riches at Christ's expense. We receive the rank of his name, and we are furthering his legacy in the earth. We're doing what Jesus did and greater things than these, he said. 
John 14, 12 through 14. Didn't he say that? Yeah. Right? Now, if you're not from really familiar with him, I might say some things that'll, that'll say, what? But you check it out with Jesus. Don't take my word for anything. You look to Jesus, right? So Jesus took your place so you could take his place on the earth. You understand that? He took your place on the earth. He took God's judgment so you could live in God's favor, right? He defeated the enemy so you could walk in victory over the enemy, right? He did all this for you, all right? But it's time to take your place. So an heir is a person who's received the property, the rank, and is continuing the legacy of the predecessor, all right? What does reign mean? We're just reading definitions of words. We're not making up some new kind of doctrine here. We're just understanding the scriptures. What does reign really mean? We see it in Romans over and over again. It means to hold royal office. It means to rule as a king or a queen. It means to be the best, to be the most important in a particular area or domain. It means to prevail in condition and quality. It means to prove more powerful than opposing forces. We're hoping the Patriots reign on the football field today, right? It means to dominate. So now let's read Romans 5, 17, understanding we're heirs. Right? Understanding that we're reigning with Christ. Let's read Romans 5.17. This time out of the Weymouth translation. You got the Weymouth translation there? E? Pull that baby up if you got it. Yeah, here we go. For if through the transgression of the one, Adam, I like how Weymouth says it here, death made use of the one individual to steal, to seize the sovereign. Reign, it capitalized the R-E-I-G-N because that's what reigning is, sovereignty, right? To steal the right to reign over the earth. Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. Paul called him the God of this world. I think it's in a, where does it say? He's the prince of the power of the air. Is that in Corinthians or Ephesians? But anyway, Satan's the God of this world. He got that authority. He stole it from Adam through sin. All the more those who receive God's overflowing grace and the gift of righteousness reign, become kings and queens, prevail in condition and quality, prove more powerful than opposing forces, dominate in life. We prevail and dominate in life through the one individual, Jesus Christ, not over other people, over spirits of darkness. We love people, but we hate evil. Darkness is not our friend, right? We're reigning in life. Wouldn't it be something if you were a king and didn't know it? How differently would you walk if you knew you were a king? You're a king. It's God's dream for your life. God is not insecure about losing his throne. No one can take it from him. Never been in question. But he wants to lift us up and sit next to him. Hold on. I said it, but let's read it in Ephesians. You've been seated with Christ. I know this might sound crazy, but it's true anyway. Ephesians chapter 1. God is now your Father 
you are now his child. Listen to this. Let me say this to you. In God's eyes, you are no less a child of his than Jesus is. You're not. You're no less a son or daughter of God than Jesus is. Your sonship to God is as legitimate as Jesus because it's through him. It's his righteousness. I want to read. Are you okay? Can we read this? You've been seated with Christ. Verse 15, Ephesians chapter 1. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith, it's all by faith, by grace through faith, in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. One of the best prayers you could pray for yourself or anyone else. Here it is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What, is re what happens when something's revealed? You can see it. The cover's taken away, right? We want the truth. We want who Christ is to be revealed to us, right? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing Christ to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. The revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, be confident, be sure and certain of, that you may experience what is the hope, the confidence of God's calling on your life, and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to you, to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Let's read verse 18 and 19 out of the Amplified. I love the way they say it here. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Oh, that feels good. So that you can know and understand the confidence, that's what hope is in this case, the, the confidence to which He has called you. And how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. When do you receive your inheritance? When the inheritor dies, right? Did he die? Yes. yes. And he rose. Thank God he rose or we wouldn't be here. He rose, but we have received our inheritance. It's time to start experiencing it. Next verse, verse 19. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, you can't measure this thing, and the unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power. Where is that power? In us. It's in you now. If you've received Christ, the resurrection power of Jesus is inside of you. And you can live your whole life without experiencing it if you don't believe it. Isn't that amazing? I've seen that in my life. I was believing something wrong. I was thinking wrong and it was keeping me from experiencing what God had for me. And I changed that thought and the gates opened up and I experienced it. I've seen that with healing and many other things in my life. It was just a thought that was blocking it. And I just had to, to get that out of the way and embrace Christ. The resurrection power of Christ is in you and it's for you who believe it. You got to believe it. That's why these traditions of men are so uh, damaging, because they undermine your faith. 
and you don't believe in the resurrection power. Yeah, sure, Jesus rose from the dead, but as far as his resurrection power being in me, well, now, that's gone a little too far. No, that's what he did it for. He didn't need to rise from the dead for himself. He did it for you so that you could live a resurrection life. Today, it's time to live the resurrection life he rose to give you. And he demonstrated this power in the working of his mighty strength when he raised Christ from the dead. Verse 20, back in the King James, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above, way above, next verse, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to who? Who's that? You. You've put your faith in Christ, that's you, which is his body. You're Jesus' body in the earth. Right, Jackson? Give me five, man. <laughs> okay, he said no. All right. <laughs> yeah. It put all things under and which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So you're God's body. Are you ready for this? This is going to be the one. Well, let's do it. Colossians chapter 2. We'll come back to Ephesians in a second. So you're God's body in the earth. You're the body of Christ. It's true, whether you realize it or not. It, when you start realizing who you are, you're going to live differently. For in Jesus, this is Colossians 2.9 now, the whole fullness of deity... The Godhead continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. Keep going. Verse 10. Here's you. Are you ready? And you are in him, made full, having come to fullness of life in Christ. Not when you get to heaven, now. I mean, heaven's going to be more glorious than anything we ever dream of. We're talking about now, though. All right? Heaven, having come, that's past tense, through faith, we've come into this fullness of life. We're in Christ now. You too are filled with the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. He is the head of all rule and authority over every angelic principality and power. Now back to Ephesians. We finished chapter 1. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Here we go. Are you ready? And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the, the, con, uh, the course of this world, according to the prince, there it is, the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan, right? The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. People don't know it, but Satan's, Satan's scamming them. Right? Among whom also, I like this, we all had our conversation. Ah, how important our words are. Right? We had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. That's who we used to be, even as others. But verse 4, thank God for verse 4, but God, who's rich, I'm glad my father's rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. 
Even when we were dead in sins, he loved us, and he quickened us, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Look at this next verse. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You got box seats in heaven, man. Woo! You know those recliners they show on TV sometimes on the field? You ever see those in the Patriots field? They got those nice recliners? Well, you got box seats in heaven, I'm telling you. You got the best seat in heaven. You're seated with Christ. Where's he sitting, by the way? Is he up in the, the peanut gallery? He's at the right hand of the Father. Where are you? At the right hand of the Father, right? And he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's go on to verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Of his riches at Christ's expense. Of his unmerited favor. Of his operational power. In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, by his unmerited favor, by his operational power, you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We're going to bring this thing to a close. Do you know that you're, you have an enemy, right? You know that. Who is your enemy? Satan, he's real. I know people think that's like something that man has made up, or it's a figment of our imagination, but there are spirits. Spirits are real. It's not wrong to, to acknowledge that they're real, to, to understand them, to take authority over them. There are spirits of darkness in the earth, all right? And their leader is our adversary, right? And the adversary means the one who is against you. You have someone who's against you and plotting schemes to take you down. It's good to know that, all right? But here's the deal. Do you know that your enemy's bark is worse than his bite? Do you know that Satan's bark is a sham? That he's a liar? And the things that he whispers in your ear aren't true? Even though he might mix some truth in there with them? Did you know that Satan's a bully? Did you know that? He wants you to think he's in charge. He wants you to think that he's in charge of your life. In fact, if you realized how defeated Satan is, you would never be afraid of him again. Isaiah chapter 14 prophetically speaks of this revelation of our enemy. Let's read it. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 16 says this, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? that did shake, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. Are you mean to tell me I've listened to him all those years of my life? Jesus defeated him soundly and completely, and he now is under my feet, and he can't do anything about it. Can I give you a homework assignment? How many people have seen the Andy Griffith Show? Raise your hands if you've seen the Andy Griffith Show. Well, if you haven't, it's on Netflix. You can look it up. Or it's probably maybe on YouTube. I want you to watch an episode of Andy Griffith. 
It's season two, episode one. All right? Season two, episode one. It's called Opie and the Bully. I want you to watch it. Great life lesson in there. Satan's a bully. What's a bully's primary weapon? What is it? Fear. He wants you to think you can't overcome him, that he's greater than you, that you better not cross him or you're going to get hurt, right? But God's not given us a spirit of fear. In fact, he's given us a spirit of power, right? We've got guns in Jesus, Hulk Hogan guns, you know what I'm saying, right? He's given us a spirit of power and of love, and of a sound mind. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So I have a question for you. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. I have a question for you. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right? See, your enemy, your bully wants to shut you up. He wants to keep you from realizing who you are and where you're seated and who your father is. But we're here to help you realize that and to stop him from operating in your life. So how do you defeat a bully? You don't run away. You stand up to him and you knock his block off. I know that's not politically correct, but people are so afraid today. There's so much fear in America today because they don't know how to deal with bullies. Now, if you watch this episode, well, how do you knock the devil's block off, by the way? open up your mouth and declare who you are in Christ. He begins to condemn you. You begin to say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new, and all these things are from God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You speak the word with your mouth. What's it say in Revelation 12, 11? Can you put that up there? It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's God's part, right? That's what God did for us. And by the word of their testimony, that's our part. God did his part. Now you do your part. Open up your mouth and declare the promises of God over your life. Don't let the bully push you around anymore, right? You know, it's time to laugh at the devil. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. You're funny. Oh, you're funny thinking you can do that in my life. No, you can't do that to me. I'm seated with Christ. God's my father. I'm, an heir. I'm, I'm furthering the legacy of Christ in the earth. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. That's what Andy taught Opie. He taught him to laugh at the bully. I, this is great. So Andy tells Opie, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of the story, but you watch it anyway. He tells about when he was a kid and there was a bully in his life. And this bully said, if you, if, you, if you come back to my fishing hole, I'm going to tear you apart. And then he ran from him. He was scared. And then he got to think, wait a minute. That's not good to be afraid like that. So he stood up to this bully, and the bully punched him right in the face. And Andy told Opie, he said, you know what I did, Opie? He said, what? He said, I laughed. I laughed. I didn't even feel it. And then I lit into him like a, a windmill in a tornado. It's, so Opie had this bully in his life. So he got bold, and he stood up to that bully, and he did the same thing. And guess what? Never had to deal with the bully again, right? See, the, the world, this is not politically correct. I know it is, but it, but it, it is Bible. 
There, there's a warfare going on, and we are not sissies. We are warriors of Christ. We are not afraid of anyone at any time, anywhere, anyhow, any who. Hallelujah. So our enemy's bark is a sham. It's worse than his bite. But our bark, on the other hand, it flattens city walls. Our bark sets captives free. Our bark opens the eyes of the blind. Our bark opens the ears of the deaf. Our bark raises the dead. So it's time to bark. My dog would love this message. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Have you been to that dog church? It's really crazy. (laughs) For the weapons of our warfare, this is our bark, our mouth. We open up our mouth. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This is what our bark does. This is what our declaration does. It destroys the strongholds of darkness in our lives and in the lives of others. And that's what we do. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10, last scripture, verses 9 and 10. Now what religion has tried to do is put this scripture in a little box and say this is about going to heaven, but it's not. It's about experiencing Christ in your daily life. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. There's your bark. Right there. Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be in the Greek sozo. We say saved, but religion has, has uh, ripped the definition of that word right out. Not talking about going to heaven. Of course you'll go to heaven. It's talking about being made whole. Being made whole is what the word means. You confess Jesus with your mouth. You believe in heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be made whole. You will be set at one again. It's time to be whole, right? Verse 9, that if you confess, I'm sorry, verse 10. For it is with your mouth, this is the recipe for salvation, for wholeness in your daily life. With your heart, you, uh, it is with your heart you believe and are justified. There's the faith, and it's with your mouth that you confess. And there's that word again. Actually, in that context, it's soteria. Soteria and sozo are the two words, mean the same thing. Wholeness, be set at one again. You will be made safe and sound is another way to say that. All right? So are you ready to bark? Or do you want to let the bully push you around some more? It's up to you. It is up to you. You can let him continue to depress you, discourage you, make you afraid, or you can stand upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and say, no more in my life, Satan. I am who God says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I have what he says I have. I am a child of God. Let's stand to our feet. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time together. This morning, you are great. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would quicken, strengthen, encourage everyone who hears this message, not only here, but online. Lord, that people would realize that what we have and who we are through simple faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, 
please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.